laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? We should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. The more specific you are, the more universal it is, right? Because we all have different specifics about our lives. I'm an Albanian from who works at Target or whatever. We all have different specifics, yeah. right? But the common thing is that we all have specifics. So when you have a, when you go on stage and you don't have any specifics about who you are, that's actually less universal to the audience because they're like, well, I have specifics about my life. Why don't you have specifics about your life? So having detailed specifics about your life is universal in the sense that the algorithm is always that we all have detail, uh, details, specific details about our life. Welcome to You Can't Laugh At That, the podcast we take topics you can't laugh at and we find ways to laugh at them in the never-ending quest to prove that anything can be funny. Joining us today is New York comedian Ronan Hirschberg. He is originally from Louisville, Kentucky. He has been on The Late Late Show with James Corden. You may know him from a comedy festival that you attended, whether it's the New York Comedy Festival, the Laughing Skull Festival, the Boston Comedy Festival. He has, uh, his albums have been on the iTunes comedy charts. He can be heard on Sirius XM. He's performed at clubs all over the country, and you can find his albums anywhere albums are sold or streamed. Uh, Self Helpless, his 2016 album, and Downhill ever since his 2020 album. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn why you can laugh at being Jewish. Hey, this is David from You Can't Laugh at That. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and if you found value in any of the episodes or if you've laughed even once, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Now, these conversations we have with all these awesome comedians typically last about two hours. So there's so much footage we have to cut from every single episode and we hate that we have to cut it. And we don't want it to disappear into the ether, which is why we edit it together into exclusive clips. Some episodes, they're 15 minutes, a half hour of extra footage. Other episodes, it's a little bit shorter. Either way, if you enjoy listening to You Can't Laugh at That, join our Patreon for exclusive access. And thanks for listening to our podcast and supporting comedy, because no matter how weird times get, Remember that you can laugh at that. Are you all, you're all like comics in Cleveland? Yep. Yes, uh, sir. Cool. And isn't it crazy that, I mean, I guess Cleveland did go for Trump, but isn't it crazy that Ohio is now more red than fucking Georgia? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. man, I mean, it's, yeah, Cleveland, Columbus, like all the cities all the counties where the cities are or, the, or like the big universities are were blue and yeah, everything yeah. else was red. You're just, you've just been overpowered by like the rural areas. Or- but I even read an article today. Uh, one of the suburbs, actually Steve Strongsville, um, the, the representative uh, that represents that district voted to impeach Trump. 
Oh, really? And uh, yeah, like former Ohio State wide receivers. So like, so people were like, that would be like if he played all but the last two minutes of the game for Ohio State, then went into the locker room and came out in a Michigan uniform. <laughs> that's on. why we're red, because really? we're always analogizing like college football, of all things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's also just funny that like, he. it's funny that... <laughs> It's for them. It's like a real betrayal. Him voting to impeach, right? So for them, I guess it's a attack on the Constitution. The same yeah. way I guess it is. But it's funny that for them to analogize an attack on the Constitution, they have to bring up something with so less stakes. Like they, like <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't go. They didn't go hyperbole. They went the other way. Yeah. That's like if something that's really not a big deal at all happened. Like, they, they, yeah. Like usually with analogies, you go bigger, not. Right. <laughs> but you know, maybe I guess that is bigger here. Um, I mean, in the scheme of things, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We take it way too seriously. It's really I, bad. I mean, that that whole comment just reveals that at least that person thinks overturning the or whatever, like impeaching Trump is an attack on democracy. They think go, playing for the. Wolverines or whatever is, uh, or whoever it is, is, uh, you know, the, uh, worse than that, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be like, <laughs> I'm a Jew. So I just compare everything to like Nazis, but I guess in Ohio, white people just compare everything to college football. Yeah. yeah it's Michigan. Are Nazis. <laughs> what? Michigan Wolverines are our Nazis. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how people understand it. Yeah. Um, it is funny what people use, weird like metaphors to understand shit like i, I remember years ago there was a, i was trying to do a bit about this but i guess it never worked there years ago, there used to be there was a documentary about getting all these kids to understand the holocaust and it was called paper clips and for them to understand it they gathered six million paper clips and it's like wouldn't you understand it better if you just imagine jews getting killed like why do you have to like you you have to use paper clips <laughs> to, like as jews i don't get it but gathering all the paper clips that that's a tragedy oh that that puts it in perspective <laughs> like you have to bring it to inanimate objects <laughs> guess the guess the amount of uh gumballs in the jar <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, to fully, just to fully understand the nightmare of it you know <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. it helps yeah. it helps them elicit elicit more emotion from it when oh, they see paper the clips just thinking of all that. those paper clips getting gas is just right. terrifying yeah <laughs> all the, uh, all the, that mountain of sh paper shoes of the paper clips. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, so what's this podcast again? <laughs> Before we get to that, I, I do want to just make one more point about like right, college yeah, football yeah. and and comparing really it to forcing us to get to the uh, <laughs> <top>. yeah. <laughs> um, so Ohio State fans will actually the week they play Michigan they will cross out all the M's and like street signs. And so it's oh, like, wow. it's the equivalent of, of Germany, like banning uh, uh, swastikas wow. in Columbus, Ohio. And then we, we refer to Michigan as that state up North or the, the team <laughs> up North. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. My brother Raised went to stakes a little bit, man. My brother, my brother went to Ohio state. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I watched, I went to his uh, graduation. George Bush spoke. Oh, how fun. He was in a graduation outfit and it looked like he was also like going through college. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Too soon. I actually offended someone. I posted a joke on Facebook, which I'm trying not to do anything on Facebook anymore because it's just all fucking old people now. Yes. They've taken over. It used to be like kids. 
And then that's like, what it was made for. Yeah. And now it's literally just become, it's gone full circle. It's become the obituaries. It's just literally just <laughs> old yeah. people posting about how their wife of 60 years died, you know? But yeah. I, I, I posted a video. I don't, I, I shouldn't have, cause it's just people like it's not, but it was a video I'd done this on a, uh, a show in the snow and I was just opening, talking about how it kind of like the scene looked a lot like Schindler's List because there was like barbed wire on the on the wall and there was like trains constantly going and it was like snowy. And I was just like, as a Jew, I'm really triggered. You know, you got this Auschwitz barbed wire. And, uh, <laughs> and then I was just like, I feel like I'm on the set of Schindler's List right now. And then in the comments, someone goes, this is disgusting. How did Facebook? I'm, it's a wonder that Facebook let this filth uh like um it's like uh filth. filth get through which i'm Jesus. like i'm like you stupid i mean you fucking don't you realize facebook led entire <laughs> misinformation campaign that all the destroyed democracy through so yeah. like a like what what you're surprised that first of all it's not offensive but b like why would you be surprised facebook facebook lets the worst shit ever through you know yeah uh and also but just talking about offensiveness before I went on stage, when I did that bit, I knew it was my first line I was going to talk about. So I specifically introduced it by saying, as a Jew, I'm triggered, you know, to make it look like I'm like, not to, but to me, I, I don't know if we're talking about offensive humor. To me, that was a way to be like, I don't want to just go on stage and be like, this is like Schindler's List, because then you don't even know I'm Jewish. So like coming in from a place of like, no, I feel triggered. So it's like, you try to do things to soften the blow and some old quad is still offended you know but whatever it's fair. Oh, yeah yeah you could do a joke about you know a close family member passing away and then someone's like that's not that's not okay and it's like dude it's my yeah i know <laughs> it's like suicide it's like people get offended when you make fun of suicide but i mean as an ex you're just not very philosophical because suicide is something we all it's for all of us i mean it's, it's an option we all have you know what yeah. i mean not to get it's on the table it's on the table so it's like it's for us it's no different than making a joke about people getting really old. We're going to get old. So it's a joke for us. So suicide is, is, is a joke we can make because it's about us. It's about everyone. It's the existential question. So if you're offended by someone making a joke about suicide, you're just a shallow person who has no concept of existentialism. No, I don't think you should. I don't think you should cope with it uh, in your own way because that's not how I would cope. Yeah. With it. But honestly, people can be offended. I mean, whatever. It's like, People can be a, not find something funny at all, but it's the, the problem is when you like com complain about it as if anyone gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, you have every right to be offended, but don't ruin it for everyone else. Like other people might enjoy that. Well, now they have, you see, they have triggers on shows. Um, I'm trying to make up for the fact that I feel like I was moving the podcast along before. So now I'm trying to make it very digressions. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel kind of bad because I was like, all right, let's get to the thing. But then yeah, I'm no, like, we, we, and that, like, we go to, we go with the flow. Like most yeah, of the you're time. okay, man. We're not yeah. too. I felt like shitty. I was like, all right, let's get moving. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Um, well, and, lately uh, we fine. haven't even introduced, like done the opening bit until the very end. Oh, okay. Just, yeah, like, we're not going to interrupt the flow of conversation to be right. like, hold on, hold on. Welcome to You Can't laugh at that the podcast where we take topics you can't laugh at we find ways right. to laugh at them in the never-ending quest to prove that anything could be funny you know we wouldn't do that yeah <laughs> well, you really had that it's very tangential yeah um i uh well now they have trigger warnings on shows have you seen this shit like i, I was yet. i was watching the morning show which is a, sh a very a good show about sexual harassment 
And it started having trigger warnings before each episode. And one of them was a trigger warning because there was sexual harassment in the episode, which is crazy because the whole show is about sexual harassment. <laughs> but then another one was a trigger warning for like self-harm with drugs. And it totally ruined the show because like someone ODs and you figured out early because they had the trigger warning, you know? And it took, so it's like, these trigger warnings are, A, they're ruining, like, what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's a spoiler warning. I'm triggered by the spoiler. It, you know what I mean? But B, it also, they do it on Mad Men. They, they went back, and on Mad Men, there's an episode where uh, John Slattery's in blackface, and they do a trigger warning, which is like, no one's condoning him being in fucking blackface. It's like showing what they did. That's just how behavior was in the 60s. But when you do a trigger warning, I think the problem with that on shows is that it's perpetuating the idea that being triggered is always bad, which part of being triggered is like, yeah, you need to grow psychologically. Like this trigger is showing that there's things you can't face. Let's go to therapy and let's try to deal with it. But when you start saying, don't watch this, you might get triggered. It's like, you're basically saying, don't grow. Run yeah. away from your problems. Run. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> fuck this trigger warning bullshit. Like, life is a goddamn trigger. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's just existence. And like, And it's like, it, if you put a trigger warning on shit, on shows, it's like, there's no end to that. You're going to just put it. They do it in the queen for, like, for just showing, um, uh, I think, like, anorexia. It's like, give me a fucking break. You can't. You're just. It's like, you, you just. You're. You can't create this. You're creating this world where like people are trying to avoid everything that makes them uncomfortable. And it, to the point where people start thinking being uncomfortable is bad when that's actually dealing with uncomfortability is part of life. How do you right. feel about putting a trigger warning in front of something that was made like, like something, uh, something Disney made that was clearly anti-Semitic um, rather than just taking it down? Well, I get that. A trigger warning I, I mean, I get that because that's like things that are actually like, well, I don't know. You mean like if they like you? You mean like airing? You mean the old like the old Disney thing with like the black lacy guys and shit or whatever that yeah, was? Yeah, or what was it? The the crows or oh the, the crows? The, yeah. I mean, I get that. Definitely get that way more. What I don't get is when it's something that's not actually racist or anti-Semitic. It's just showing yeah. something from life. Right. That I'm like, well, that's just life. Like, I'm I'm sorry. You just like you can't hide everything. But I get it when it's. I get it when it's something like really like, uh, yeah, like anti-Semitic or racist. I get wanting to show that you don't condone it anymore. You know, I feel like if it's not going to, I mean, it, people like trigger literally means like triggering like a panic attack from PTSD, I guess you could say. If it yeah. doesn't reach that threshold, I don't think there's absolutely no reason for a trigger warning. But it's yeah. like people I mean, need to go to therapy and it sucks. I mean, it's not like it's not like it's all on them to, to have to go and seek therapy so that they can deal with these sorts of things out in the real world. But it's like, I don't know, but you get where I'm going with that. Right? Yeah, well, you're so. getting it. And, and, and yes, like if it causes a panic attack, that's another thing where it's like, well, you have to deal with that. Yeah. If seeing someone do drugs in a movie causes a panic attack because of your past experience with your father doing drugs or whatever, or your own drug experience, like, you can't, I don't know, just having a trigger warning on everything just suggests like, it just creates this idea where you should run away from anything that might cause you a panic attack. But I get panic attacks all the time. You can't control it. You can't predict it. 
And, you know, I'm not talking, if there's like a, obviously if there's like a graphic rape scene or something like that, obviously you can put a note on it, but getting into shit where it's just like, where it's like, yeah, where you're like, what is, you know, just showing drug use. It's like, come on, you're, you're, we're, 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 we're coddling everybody. It's frivolous. To an extreme degree. These trigger warnings have ruined drugs for me. Yeah. (laughs) Trigger warnings trigger me because I am conservative. Yeah. I'm, I'm triggered by how fucking I'm not conservative. we've all become. Yeah, yeah. Sad I, mean, I have to say that. I'm like, please don't judge me. You know, if we start putting the trigger warnings in front of in front of these, like, I mean, traumatic for some people things, like how far is it going to go, you know? Um, well, everything's traumatic for someone. Right, exactly. Yeah, and you exactly. you're going to miss some, and then it's just going to be like, you know, it's the same thing with a joke. Anytime you being offended by a joke makes you want to, like, stop that joke from happening, you're automatically being a hypocrite because you're offended by a joke when there's another joke you're not offended by that someone else is offended by. So you're mm-hmm. automatically a hypocrite the minute you want a joke to be taken down or or you get angry and outraged, you're automatically a hypocrite. Also, you're missing the nuance in the joke. Like you're missing that they, this comic could be saying something that does agree with you, but you've been triggered by something that they said already before they're able to make the point. Or like, you know, I think it softens. I mean, like you said, it softens the blow. Like if there's a trigger warning at the beginning of an episode, like you said, with the, uh, the, the OD uh, situation where the character overdoses, um, spoils it. Yeah. It spoils it. So that's like saying, Hey, this joke is going to have, you know, a, a comment on bulimia in it or something. And, and yeah, it's, it's like, like trigger warning. Uh, this guy ends up being the murderer at the end. It's just like ruins right, the right. fucking twist. Cause in the morning show, it shows this woman at the end, like she's unraveling and it shows her like walking in slow motion through the fog. And right then you're like, Oh, it's going to cut to her ODing. You know, but before you want to know that you're like, who knows what's going to happen? You know what I mean? So you, you end up processing that and it ends up fucking up the story. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, it'd be like at the, the beginning of the, that game of Thrones episode, like trigger warning. If you've ever been at a wedding that turned into a yeah. massacre, yeah. you might <laughs> want to yeah. turn this off. Trigger warning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it, it, it you softens the pregnant blow. Pregnant woman gets stabbed abruptly at a wedding, and then everyone else <laughs> died. <laughs> Turn this off. No, to be fair, that would be a pretty uh, that would be triggering, justifiably triggering, if that happened. If right. you were at a wedding where people got murdered, and then you saw the red wedding, it would be triggered. But I guess yeah. you just have to assume that hasn't happened to most people. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and that that goes too, like the intent having a trigger warning almost takes away from that. Cause like humans, we have a, a habit of judging ourselves based off of our intent. Like if, if we do something messed up, we, we try to, we try to um, make it seem logical to ourselves. So it right. makes sense to us. We justify it. Uh, whereas if somebody else does the same thing, we judge their action versus the intent. So if right. somebody uses a word as part of a joke to make a point that that word is bad, like they're not thinking about the intent of the comic. They're thinking about, this person said a word that I don't like, and that's all I'm getting out of this whole thing. Right. Or they like blindfully, they deliberately uh, misinterpret the intent. Like the t- intent is, uh, so many people are offended by a joke. Like I, I remember this um, comic when there was a fly on Mike Pence's face, she mm-hmm. tweeted something like, that's his only black friend, you know? And <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a funny joke. And then everyone yeah. got mad at her. They're tweeting her like comparing flies to black people. And it's like, what? 
It's like, you know, she wasn't doing that. You know, that wasn't the point. I mean, you've, oh, man. you're, you're deliberately, you're deliberately oh. misinterpreting the joke. Like deliberately. Yes. It's like, just take a step back and realize that is clearly not her intent, but that's, that's like, um, you know, everything needs a balance. You know, you can't be too extreme either way. You know what I mean? And one of the extre- extremities of liberalism is they think a, a, lot, a liberal concept a lot of times is uh, even if it wasn't your intention with the art, if it if some people take it the wrong way, that's a fault of the artist. Mm-hmm. And that's a fallacy. And it's not true. Like you can't. Saddam Hussein's favorite movie was The Godfather. Clearly, he missed some of the themes they were going for. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, that it's not a fault of The Godfather. I mean, he clearly watched it and went, yeah, he should have killed Fredo. He did the right thing. You know what I mean? You got to <laughs> preserve your empire. But, like, you can't always be concerned about people taking it the wrong way. That's not... That's not if that's not your intent, then you can't you can't judge them by that. But liberalism taken too far will, you know, you know, go that way. And unfortunately, uh, the, the 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 people who are too overly, uh, like precious about shit, like too overly politically correct. Unfortunately, they're the people they're fighting with are people so far on the right. You're like, well, those people are crazy too. That's not what I'm saying. It's right. always some guy on the right who's like, fuck the politically correct. I should wear blackface and kick a baby in the pussy. And it's like, well, no, I like that's too much. Like somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this, uh, this opens the door for massive overcorrections. Yes. Well, we're all just this whole existence is we're just caught in this pendulum of overcorrections and we can't, right. we seem to never get out of it. You know what I mean? It's like this country seems to never realize like the, the truest thing is what Aristotle said, the golden mean, both extremes are evil virtue is somewhere in the middle. And like this country's caught in this vicious cycle where we like, like if it's so hard to realize that communism is bad and completely unmitigated capitalism, if it's so fucking hard to realize that, like we just like constantly bounce back and forth between the two, like, just like, you know, get some, you know, and it's the same thing with jokes. It's like, yes, it's good that we're being more sensitive now. It's great that we're being more sensitive, but like, where do we take this too far? Do we get so sensitive and, and so coddling that it's actually not good for us? That it's not good for our psychological development. Right, right, right. Your brain, you know, we need some calluses. Yeah, <laughs> there, I mean, you know? part, you know, I deal with anxiety all the time. And part of a big part of meditation is learning to be uncomfortable with uh, learning to be uncomfortable, learning to sit with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Running away from a movie because there's a trigger warning is not sitting with the anxiety. Right. It's not learning to overcome it. It's like running away from it. And we're, we're we perpetuate those notions when we do that. That's no right. way to live. Yeah. Right. That's, that's like, that's like getting on stage your first time and the jokes that you thought were great. Don't land. You don't run away from comedy. Right. You know? right. If, if you really care about it, you figure it's out like, what it takes. Yeah. It's like if the Wolverines, right. The Ohio state I don't know. <laughs> trying to get it. So your fucking moron listeners understand, you know, <laughs> no, uh, if, Hey, if, I'm if, offended. <laughs> I love the Buckeyes. Um, we're so married to the beliefs that we have that they're right. And they're just, and there's nothing wrong with them. And that's where the problem lies. It's like this, you have to account for human error. Yeah. Yeah. You have to account for 
basic human things like like greed and and self-preservation and things like that like oh yeah the system itself is very um it's objective i mean it's it's like it is yeah. what we make it to be the government controlling everything is bad and fucking everything being privatized is also really bad right as we see with texas now where their whole fucking grid broke down because they just like all these companies just try to offer the cheapest services and cut corners and now the whole thing is completely you know broken down you know yeah. but like uh not that the government running it would have done that much better i don't know but yeah. uh somewhere in the middle <laughs> yeah somewhere in the middle but uh right. i think with jokes it's like yeah you shouldn't you know there's more there's also just more important things like you know to like deal with i think mark norman said it something like uh when he sees people offended by jokes, he's like jealous because they're like he's so dead inside. It's like it's, mm-hmm. it would be amazing, and that is how I feel. Like comics are just kind of dead inside, so it's like, yeah, we make jokes about shit, yeah. and other people just, I guess, <laughs> still I'm definitely are, like, dead inside. Them. Yeah, <laughs> other people still care about. Them. Yeah, you know, I think anytime that people are offended by something that's an attempt at a joke, it's okay to not laugh because it's comfortable. But anytime you like start posting about it and all that shit, then it, yeah, it's a little like. Um, you're kind of demanding that joke to not be in there. You want a trigger warning. You want it to be removed. You know, there is a fascist impulse people have where the things they don't like, they want removed from society. Mm-hmm. And that is what a dictator wants. A dictator, you know, Hitler was made uncomfortable by the Jews. So he removed them. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, you, you know, you, you don't want to go too far where you demand, but we're all so fucking entitled now. We all think our voices matter. So we all just demand things to not be seen in front we all think we're kings right now mm-hmm. i think that emotional intelligence uh, is a good it, it, like having a measured uh, reaction to things you don't want to be too emotional but you don't want to be um insensitive either you just have yes. to have a nice balance you can't laugh at that if you ever thought about starting a podcast but you're worried about how much it's going to cost to get all the equipment that you need uh, on top of the subscription to your podcasting host well, look no further. The microphone I'm currently saying this on is a Samson Q2U USB XLR microphone. And damn, is it sexy. Not only is it versatile and you can use it to record from your home, but you can take it with you to the show. If you don't want to use the same mic as everyone else, you can plug it in because it's got an XLR thing. <laughs> I'm not I'm not versed on the technical side of this. All I know is this microphone works. It it makes my voice sound way clearer than if I were to just be talking into the the mic on my computer, the one that's built in. And if you do Zoom meetings for work, you'll sound extra crisp, extra clear. So check out the show notes. The link to our product page is in the show notes. Give that a click. You'll also see the headphones I use, the same ring light that I use, as well as the links to buy the albums of each one of our guests that we've had on this show from episode five, Raj Suresh, all the way to this episode. You'll be able to support any of the comics that have been on the show. So head to watercoolercomedy.org forward slash podcast, and you'll be able to find all of the equipment that we use, all of our guests' albums, and some recommended reading if you're interested in the science of using humor. So it's watercoolercomedy.org forward slash podcast, and you'll find links to all of those products there. Thanks for listening. And now, 
I've always wanted to say this, back to your regularly scheduled programming. You can't laugh at that. Uh, to me, a religion, anything that like teaches you values, but also makes you somehow connected to something immortal, right? Mm-hmm. So anything that kind of denies the death principle and makes you mm. forget about it. So like Trumpism is the ultimate, like that is, so a lot of times religion, it's focused on your own immortality or you believing in someone else who's immortal. You know what I mean? Like you believe in Jesus who came back and Trump is the ultimate. I'm not afraid of death. I defy death. And everyone glommed onto him to feel their own immortality to the point where that's why he didn't wear a mask. He couldn't wear a mask because he is the great defier of death. He doesn't yeah. die. He's he the gets it and he, Yeah, he gets it. He gets stronger. So his whole thing was a denial of death, which is the ultimate. His whole thing was a denial of reality and death is at the corner of reality because what was his whole thing? We're going to, Stop globalism. Well, you can't stop it. <laughs> it's, 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 we're already here. We're going to bring back coal mining jobs. Well, no, that's, that's, they're done. You can't do that. Like, But it's just like, it's a complete denial of death. And let's go back into the past and we'll never die. And because of that, so many people have died. <laughs> I've, never, yeah. I've never heard it framed that way before. But I mean, that's the thing is if you resist something, the more it happens. The denial of death leads to the ultimate amount of death. Yeah. Yeah. How how many people die in war because they think they're going to, you know, be in the afterlife, you know, (laughs) like it allows, believe it or mortality allows so many more people to die. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, so Trump could never put on a mask because that's not, because he is a religion. Right. He could never, like he could never do that. He could never look like he's afraid of death, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would it would shake people's perspective. Of, of yeah, and, and QAnon is very much a religion. Yeah, uh, but everything's a. I mean, everything. That's the thing. You when you shit on religion, you also have to realize like there's a religion in everyone's life on some right. level. There's some attempt to attach onto an idea of immortality. You know, what, whatever it is, art or anything. It's. I guess Q all, is Q is basically just a. Uh, Christian extremism because it's very anti-Semitic and all that. Yeah, it's like it's blood libel, like the anti-Semitic conspiracy. Yeah. It just it, blood libel used to believe that like uh, Jews would take the blood of Christian children and use it for matzah, and so it's just updated. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. People back then believing a crazy conspiracy, but uh, it's just I think uh, we don't have that today. Yeah, it's just updated where they instead of Jew, you're just like. Hollywood, like Hollywood, Hollywood and adrenochrome. Yeah. Or globalists or pedophiles. And then, you know, and then you still have the kid there, the kids who are getting fucked, you know? So that's what Marjorie green Taylor's. The reason she got in trouble is because she forgot to update it from Jew. She kept Jew. Mm -hmm. She didn't get the update. You're supposed to take out the word Jew and just say globalist or Hollywood. So yeah. QAnon is an update of anti-Semitic beliefs. Mm. Yeah. Like racism has been repackaged as cultural preservationalism. Yeah. These Mm -hmm. fancy terms now. You got to change. Yeah. You got to update it. You got to change the wording. You know what I mean? Racism has also been updated to, I'm not racist. You're racist for calling me racist. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, I love, I love your, your bit about uh, your grandfather. Like, uh, um, oh, the uh, the thing about the KKK, uh, the uh, oh, the old people thing. Yeah, the old people thing. I, I forget how you frame it. Like you frame it in a way. It's like, well, um, was he? He's not from this time, or, or yeah, it's like yeah. he says something to my mom. Is like he's from a different time. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but the only problem is he's not. He's from right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That's you know. That's. You know, yeah, it's, I guess it's just a joke, but it is, you know, it is, we do kind of, 
we do kind of sometimes give people excuses that they're not living on this earth with us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, uh, it was a Gary Goldman has a bit about, about um, people like anti-Semites. It's like, if you hate Jews, then you shouldn't be able to, to use the things that they've come up with. Like, you know, you should be living with polio because a Jew came up with the, the polio right, vaccine right, and color right. TVs and remote controls. and Right. Of course. Know. Same thing with the anti-science uh, general, the anti-science movement. It's like, please stop, get off your phone right now. And if you're racist, yeah. you shouldn't be able to eat peanut butter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A million percent. Even though apparently George Washington Carver did 300 variations of peanuts, but never got to peanut butter. Really? Uh, which I actually think makes them look bad, in my opinion, that you never get the <laughs> peanut butter and all that. But anyway, I don't mean to. But uh, but yeah, so uh, I don't know if any of that's true, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know uh, he wasn't a chef, right? I mean, so. That's true. But he, he was a lot like, yeah, I'm going to make hummus out of these peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, anytime you say you're racist or anti-Semitic, you're really just admitting your life has not gone well at all. <laughs> like yeah, you're right. just. You're just revealing, yeah. You're just revealing, like, especially anti. If you're like, I'm anti-Semite, you're like, oh well, you are doing really badly. Yeah. Like, you, you've clearly lost your family. You've lost, like, you, you know, you don't make any money. Like, it's just it, it, being racist or anti-Semite. You're just admitting that you're a loser. Yeah, um, yeah. I yeah. feel like one overarching theme with this stuff and also just politics in general is if you have good ideas, you don't have to lie to everybody. Yeah, you, know, you just have your ideas, but. But if you have bad ideas, you have to deceive everyone to get your agenda pushed yeah, through. Yeah, for sure. They just a lot of self deception too. These people are a lot of them are warped. They're not just evil. They're just like dumb. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Putin acts like his country is a democracy. You know, then he's right. not on stage going, "Follow me and my plan of me having all the power." And you right. know, you, you can't openly yeah. say what you are when you, what the thing you are is evil. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I guess, sure. yeah, you know, even Hitler obviously was hiding some of what he was doing. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, you know. But what is, so, you're ta- um, a lot of this show is about people getting offended by jokes. Uh, I mean, I it's, like it's, jokes were talking by stand-up. No one's really offended by those jokes, I guess. Getting well, that, them to work the in, in otherwise, you know, unsavory-sounding topics i don't know just getting right. things to work generally yeah we yeah. dive pretty deep into uh the, the concept of of connection like how did you connect these unlike ideas to form a joke and how did you connect that joke with the audience and uh, uh, i see yeah yeah that's what we kind of dive into like the first few episodes we were kind of feeling our way around but then we had a, a, a conversation about relationships and and that and we kind of came to the to the conclusion that the most important relationship as a comic even though you're telling like hacky relationship jokes is you have to form a relationship with the audience so that so that involves building trust that involves doing something as simple as saying you know i'm a jew so i'm triggered by this um, right, right, right. Just like little Vulnerable, things or little yeah. tricks. Yeah, it's creating human connection. One of the and, first uh, that's yeah. what comedy is. One of the first lessons I learned, uh, I feel like I've starting out, I had two different comics tell me advice and uh, or no, three different pieces of advice from comics that really just stuck with me on the road. Like before I ever moved to New York, the most important one was I think I went on stage somewhere and I just started making fun of something. And it didn't go great. And afterwards, he's like, 
You should make fun of yourself first before you make fun of other people. Make fun of yourself, let them see your own worldview, and then you can make fun of other people, but they don't know who you are yet. So if you're just on stage making fun of shit and they don't know who you are, there's going to be a disconnect. And I've honestly followed that. That might not be true for everyone. Certain comics like to go up there and be a dick or like, and it works for them. But for me, I've always, I've always made fun of myself first on some level or tried to, or show a little piece of my world before making fun of other things. So, you know, get them to know your worldview and then have them see, once they see your worldview, have them see how you're, how you see, once they see who you are, have them, see how you now see other things, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the most important advice, I guess. So for me, like when you're making fun of things, make fun of yourself first and then it's, and then you can go on to other shit. That would help me because I criticize everything. That's my whole angle is obviously a lot of comics do criticism of things, but I like, I definitely am very geared towards heavily criticizing things. I think it's, you know, I granted every comic just wants to see everyone else be in their own image, but I, I personally think, I mean, granted it can go too far. You see those comics who make fun of themselves too much. You're like, all right, mm-hmm. you're not that ugly. You're come on, move on. But like, mm-hmm. I think there needs to be a little self-deprecation up front just before you get into other shit. I think that helps. A lot. Yeah. Right. And you can't have the audience feeling bad about it too. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't, like you said, there's, there's extremes to everything going back to the political thing. You know, you just got to yes. find up a sweet spot in the middle. Uh, that's yeah. true to you. And I've, I felt it too, where I'm like, all right, I've made too many jokes about not getting women to come. I've, I've reached a quota. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like I've made too many jokes about coming around. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and the, uh, so yeah, but yeah, I always, whenever I like, I've gone on stage and just start shitting on something and right away I'm like, fuck. Yeah. There's something, <laughs> there's something smug about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's something smug and that's just me personally for me to achieve some kind of likability on stage or something. I have to always make fun of myself right away on some, on some level. I feel more comfortable with that. Yeah. So if, you, you, if you listen to any of my standup, it's, typically me making my fun of myself first and then making fun of everyone else. Right. I mean, you, your most recent album, uh, uh, which came out last year, you open with uh, introducing just up front, you know, your name uh, and then, yeah. and then being a Jew from Kentucky. Right. And, right. and, and that kind of uh, in that, is, I mean, it's only like a two minute track, but you establish who you are. Yeah. You establish kind of that, like, there's that built-in kind of juxtaposition too, being a Jew from Kentucky. Right, so, right, right. So, and then like throughout the album, uh, you you make connections between on like things like all the way through, uh, right? In, yeah, in really fun ways. Yeah, to show a little of like, yeah, you're, you know, uh, the more detailed, the more specific you are, the more universal it is, mm-hmm. right? Because we all have different specifics about our lives. I'm a Albanian from who works at Target or whatever. We all have different specifics, yeah. right? But the common thing is that we all have specifics. So when you have a, when you go on stage and you don't have any specifics about who you are, that's actually less universal to the audience because they're like, "Well, I have specifics about my life. Why don't you have specifics about your life?" So having detailed specifics about your life is universal mm-hmm. in the sense that the algorithm is always that we all have detail a uh, details specific details about our life right you know? yeah you have you have a unique experience sure but but if they see a little bit of themselves in that like you know that fish out of water 
Yeah. Example. They, like, yeah. They might not be a Jew from Kentucky, but they're something else. Yeah. yeah exactly. You know, and, exactly. And, and that, yeah. You don't, you know, honestly, when someone just, that's who you want to get. I mean, when someone's just like, that's me too. I'm from Kentucky. It's like, fuck those people. You know, that's just a novelty. But right. when people can connect to like the actual thing that, yeah, that matters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What was that like growing up? Uh, growing up, was there like a community? Well, that being said, I feel a little cheap when I do the Jew from Kentucky jokes a little, just because I came from Louisville, which is um, more of a progressive town. I mean, there's mm-hmm. still a lot of Southern stuff in it, and but we had a Democratic mayor, and it was a little had some of that kind of Atlanta feel. So, like when I say Jew from Kentucky, I have one joke in the beginning where I feel like it kind of. Um, it's actually just one line that makes me feel is a little cheap. Something about how I'm not proud of it, or, or no, what do I say? It's something like, "I'm a Jew from Kentucky," which I wouldn't recommend, or something. And I mm-hmm. that line I feel like is a little cheap when I say it, just because it's not true. Um, but then I talk about, but then I do the joke about the Holocaust, like why did they come there, and that I like a lot. Yeah. And then eventually, I think later in the album, I talk about more about like. Um, no one in Kentucky was there anti-Semitism in Kentucky. No, no one in Kentucky was uh, cultured enough. No one in Kentucky knew enough about Jews to be anti-Semitic, which is true, you know, on some level. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's that balance where you want to like, you want to talk about specifics in your life, but you also don't want to like be too much like a scum. I'm a Jew from Kentucky. You know, you got to like, you got to fight. You don't want to make it too reductive. You know what I mean? At least it's your reality, though. So I think, you, you know, it's it, you can take solace knowing that, well, I am, I am this is my oh, I'm situation. I'm actually not from Kentucky. I was lying. Oh, you aren't? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not even Jewish. <laughs> I'm not even Jewish. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. No, yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. You know, you always get, I, I think for me, I always, you know, you're always afraid of being a hack. So it did take me a long time to, like, talk about where I'm from and talk about my mom and talk about, you know, my family. I always, for some reason in my head, I'm always like, let's hack. I should just be like, you know, I guess maybe the comics I looked up to never did that as much, you know? Um, But like, but like eventually like learning how to do that shit is what makes you more, you know, relatable and people feel like they know you. I think you're just, you you definitely have a good um, grasp of like just monitoring yourself. Cause I think, yeah, even though those are your realities and you're per- perfectly entitled to doing it, you feeling like it's a little bit hack is like just your own way of knowing what good comedy is where you you get sick of doing it, I think, probably. Because yeah. you've done it for so long and it makes you a little bit self-conscious about it. But and, and also with the embellishing thing where you embellish about like, it's not really that bad. Yeah. But yeah. You also kind of have to, to make comedy. A little. But that's so. why I like, that's why I like how I go into a Holocaust joke right away. Cause I'm like, I'm a Jew from Kentucky. People are like, uh, how did your family end up in Kentucky? And I was like, well, when they left the Holocaust, they weren't very picky. You know what I mean? <laughs> that I'm like, well, I'll do a Jew from Kentucky joke right there. But the fact that it's a Holocaust joke, at least makes it not as, as cutesy. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, I'm always, I think every, every comic's worried about being a hack, all the good ones and the bad ones. <laughs> We're all worried about yeah. being hacks, but like, uh, so, you know, you always have to be aware of that. You know, I, I do see a lot of people who use identity politics to create some kind of bullshit, five minute sitcom stand up shit. And I hate that, you know what I mean? Cause it's not real. So you want to avoid that. Just someone on stage going, you know, I'm a, lesbian you know librarian and my parents are metrosexual cats and you know and you're just like Mm -hmm. naming shit and like you know you want to talk about 
I don't know, things that aren't just like, you don't want to just be checking off a list, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I feel it. Right. Do you, yeah. You got to dive into the why behind it. Um, I, I feel like it's, it's good to have that constant fear of being hacked too, because that, that also pushes you, um, away yes. from it you like you it. know yeah you have to have those boundaries and when you start feeling that way it's like okay I, now i'm gonna i'm gonna get away from there i'm gonna move over here a little bit and then when it feels like too either inauthentic or like too far then you can kind of position yourself so i did realize i did realize the structure of late night and i think i i'm a late night set and i kind of realized it cynically and then i kind of played those parts but tried to be funny with it which is the structure of every late night set is you you say where you're from you have a joke about your name. <laughs> uh, you have stuff about your parents and your family. And then you have uh, not claptory, but some joke about making fun of prejudice or racism. And if you have all those, that's kind of. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Unless you're Gary <laughs> Goldman and then you get yeah. away with talking about right. abbreviating states. Right, exactly. But uh, so, you know, which I did, if you see my late night, I do check off all those boxes. But, you know, I also think there's the importance of a Trojan horse uh, concept in all art and commerce, which is that like sometimes what the industry is looking for is something shitty. But if you follow those beats while creating something good, you can kind of get in. You know what I mean? Like the wire is like a Trojan horse because it's a, it's what everyone loves. A, you know, a detective, you know, just a catching the bad guy, you know, cop drama, you know what I mean? But it's also this brilliant, you know, take on, you know, uh, drug laws and society. And, but he wouldn't have been able to get all that shit out without the Trojan, Trojan horse of this fun cop drama. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the Trojan horse is a necessary thing, you know? Um yeah, I mean, it, like most screenplays, they fit into, I mean, you have to follow a formula. That's yeah. one of the first things I learned when I decided oh, I wanted to get into comedy is I, I learned how to write a screenplay. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow. And then now now when you watch it, when I watch a screenplay, it's like, oh, it's this trope. It's this is what's going to happen next. Like, here's the part. Oh, yeah, those are heavily the, in. Like the highly marketable screenplays are all very, very to a T with, yeah. with few exceptions. And then the good ones somehow managed to like... Trojan horse it where they like mm-hmm. they do all the things like dumb people in the industry are looking for, <laughs> but they slip in a lot of good shit too. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but uh so yeah, so you know, yeah. Um uh yeah, so yeah, talk about where you're from and those unique experiences, those kind of marketable things are like, you know, important, you know. Mm-hmm. Um right. and it's also just important like for people to remember you, you know. Oh, for sure. You, you, the last, uh, the last track on your album too, um, you kind of combine all of those things, the, those late night things. You, you talk about your, your yeah. mom, you talk about, uh, you talk about like, not necessarily racial insensitivity or, or, but you, you give a, a clear perspective of like, everyone's a Jew in your Bible. Um, actually let, let's play it. Uh, so, so okay. Steve actually knows what we're talking about and then uh, we'll, sure. we'll, uh, kind of, we'll talk about it and wrap it up. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Jeremy, start with the uh, the first, the first, or how did I, I don't remember how I had it. The shorter clip between the two of, of runouts. Jew from KY. Um, what's the other one? There's a Jew from KY Part Two. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that's a, yeah, very classic. Very I'm glad I labeled it clearly. I was like, no, 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 that's my that's my track titles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, wait, wait. yeah, it's Jew from Kentucky Part Two. Is the clear there's loud Jewy mom? 
Well, yeah, Jew, yeah, yeah. Jew from Kentucky Part Two is the. Are you looking yeah. for my closer? That's the closer. Start with uh, Loud Dewey Mob because oh, you have okay. that callback at, at, oh, sure, at the yeah. end of yeah. Oh right, right, right. right. Otherwise, there's no context. It's right, such a true. good. It's such a good callback. Like I, I oh, listened to you. it today and I, I, I laughed after oh, listening to it like three times. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I recently visited her. I visited my mom. My mom is originally from New York. She's very shrill and loud. <laughs> yeah. And when I was visiting her, I just hear her yell from outside one day. Oh my God, Renat! Come outside! There are four deer outside! Four of them! It's incredible! Renat, come outside! There are four deer! Two parents and two babies! It's amazing! Renat, come outside! And then I came outside and would you believe they were gone? <laughs> yeah. Something must have startled them. <laughs> Exaggeration obviously played a big role in that uh, in that bit, right? I mean, you embellished the story or is that really? Uh, yeah, a little. I mean, she just yelled that like once or twice. And yeah. also the deer were actually still there at the end because mm. deer are actually startled by loud sounds. And when they're startled, they don't move. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I exaggerated that part, but, uh, but my mom is extremely loud as I am. Uh, <laughs> that part <laughs> is true. <laughs> Glad people have evidence of me being funny now. Yeah. That's, it's there. That's, that's what we do on this show. <laughs> we prove it. We prove you can laugh at that. Whenever I'd be in the mall with my mom in Kentucky, uh, sometimes people would say Merry Christmas, and my, my mom would be like, Actually, we're Jewish, and we don't celebrate Christmas. And I'd be like, Mom, what are you doing? Who gives a shit? I'd be much more concerned if someone came up to me, you looked at me, and went, Happy Hanukkah. I'd be like, How do you know? How do you know? Are the Gestapo back? How do you know? I'd follow them into the parking lot. What What gave it away? What about me seems Jewy to you? What What gave it away? What gave it away? How did you know I am so Jewy? I'm bound to your head. So when people say Merry Christmas, I was never rude. I was just like, you know, actually, I'm a Jew. I don't celebrate Christmas. I celebrate Good Friday, the day we killed your Lord. <laughs> Every time I told people in Kentucky I was a Jew, this is what they said. They go. Which one's that again? <laughs> Is that the one where you don't celebrate birthdays? <laughs> or the ones where you churn butter? <laughs> or the ones where Tom Cruise is your savior? <laughs> and I tell them, I tell them, I say, it's the one your God was raised as! How the fuck do I know anything about Jews? They're all Jews in the Bible, every one of them. It's a Chinese restaurant on Christmas. It's filled with Jews. <laughs> How the fuck did I know? Because every one of my Bibles Amish, I know something about the fucking Amish. They're all Jews. And people forget that shit. They're like, they're Jews, but they're not Jewish. Yes. 
<laughs> God was a Jew from the get-go. First line of the Bible. What's the first line? In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and it was good. <laughs> Not great, just good. <laughs> That's some Larry David shit right away. Just God going, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been better if I had a little more time. But for six days, it's okay. It's not great. If I had two weeks, it would have been incredible. But for what it is, it's okay. <laughs> all fucking Jewish. Every one of them. Jesus, I know he looks all fucking Anglo-Saxon and stoic and shit, but he was a short Bernie Sanders rabbi Jew. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the Sermon on the Mount. All I have to say is turn the other cheek. Is that so hot? <laughs> His mother was a Jew. I know she looks all fucking, you know, waspy and, 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 and quiet, but she was a fat, big bosomy Jewish mother. <laughs> a worried Jewish mother. She was probably at the cross freaking out. <laughs> Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, oh my God! There are four deer outside! Four of them! It's incredible! Good shit, man. That's a great bit. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. I actually, uh, uh, a little behind the scenes, that actually wasn't what I closed on when I recorded my album. Mm. Uh, so I actually had to edit it because... That was kind of like maybe like I had like I had like other shit right. I had like maybe like actually like twenty minutes after that. Oh really? And I was gonna close on the. I don't know if you've listened to the whole album, but I was gonna close on like the Finding Nemo bit because that usually closed on that. Mm-hmm. But I realized that callback that day, like right before whenever I'm recording something, I always have a, like a callback comes to me like that, and I realized I could bring the deer thing back mm-hmm. that day I was recording. And when I did it, got like an applause break, and I was like, oh shit, I should use that as a closer you know yeah that's the end and that's also one of those things i was listening to the album and the second you did that joke no i mean even though knowing it was the last track i was like oh this is the end this is yeah like, it's like it's like the sometimes the audience ends it for you, you know yeah granted I, mean? I then went on to live do a lot more material but uh but yeah um yeah and uh you know watch it again there's you know you obviously see a lot of faults in it one of the things i realized later which really sucked is that the Larry David thing when I go, it was good. Uh, you know, that part was like, God's a Jew from the beginning. What's the first line of the Bible? In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and it was good. And then I go, not great, just good, right? Mm-hmm. That gets an okay laugh, but after I recorded that, I started realizing that if I just don't say not great, it gets a giant laugh because it lets the audience come there. I'd be like, I'd say it like this. I'd just be like, God's a Jew from the beginning. What's the first line of the Bible? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And it was and it was good. And then I just take a pause and I just go, not great. And mm-hmm. let them imagine like the good part. And that would just get a giant laugh. But I step over it when I go, not great, just good. I step over it when I do that. And that became, so, that, that, so it's a little annoying now when you have an album, you're like, oh, that got such a big pop later on, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
everything why, in hindsight. That's why I never do your material after you record it because you'll just fucking <laughs> realize it's better. Uh, right. Yeah, that's great uh, advice. And that Bernie part sucks. I do a terrible Bernie impression. But other than that, I'm happy with most of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't uh, take it as you trying to do a, a Bernie impression. Um, it's because I it's because I failed at it. <laughs> I think you said like like Bernie Sanders. So I thought. Yeah, yeah. So I just imagined like you were because I'm terrible at impressions too. So I'll do yeah. like a a like insert celebrity right, right. here, and then I won't even. Right. Well, it was also play it off. Play it yeah, off. It's fine. I'll play it off. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, it was yeah, it's fun. I hadn't listened to that in a while. Yeah. It's. it's I mean, so you, you take us through a different, uh, a couple different things. Like you say, you know, you're due in Kentucky. You don't really describe what it was like, um, but you explain it through the the just the Merry Christmas in the mall bit. I, I think that kind of sums it up. Um, and then just yeah. the the commute, the not miscommunication, but the misunderstanding of of. Uh, Jewish people like oh is that the one that the Tom Cruise one is that the uh right 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 yeah I mean there was a lot of people in Louisville who did not have a concept of what Jews are and I think that's true a lot of places in America I think like a lot of people aren't anti-semitic only because they they don't really know what Jews are <laughs> you know and I, I remember I actually think that which one's that again yeah you know it's so hard to remember because once you do a joke for a while you forget what how it got started but I think that was a real response someone said when I used to, when I once worked at Frisch's Big Boy. <laughs> and I, I feel like I told some girl in there that I was Jewish and she was like, which one's that again? And it was extra insulting because she had a cross on. So it's like, you fucking took our religion. You should know which one it is. Yeah. But so I think, yeah. So you did have that experience. I will say only in New York can I say that line about Good Friday and get an applause break. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> that doesn't but, work anywhere else. To me, that it's harmless because you've established yourself throughout the rest of the the album as as who you are. Like, and then, but that was actually one of my touchy. jokes. Yeah. yeah, people still get touchy about that. I mean, it works in New York where everyone's like hates Christians and think it's funny to make fun <laughs> of them. But like, you know, in other places, people treat you know for for people in New York, that joke is punching up. Mm-hmm. But you know, Christians obviously in other places think that joke is punching down, mm-hmm. uh, and they're incorrect because it's making fun of Jews, but you know, and then Jews might not like my mom hates that joke. Cause she thinks it perpetuates the anti-Semitic belief that Jews killed Jesus, you know, which we did not We just put a hit on him. We're too cowardly to do it ourselves, but yeah, um, right. <laughs> smart about it. Yeah. But you know, yeah. The Italians uh, did it. The Italians, exactly. <laughs> um, but isn't it, it's, it's silly to me too. <laughs> the Italians did it. Of course. Uh, I think it's, it's silly to me. That your guy, like that was supposed to happen to your guy and it happened. Why are we demonizing the people that did it? Why are we like, oh, this is our thing. This is oh, supposed to happen. Did you need us to betray him? Yeah, exactly. It should have been just like, oh, thank you. You you were the ones that did it. Cool. All right. Like, no plot well, twist. It wasn't but, Peter. Like The funny thing, I mean, what to really look at Christianity in a way, like what, what is actually kind of funny about it is that like, clearly him dying was not the plan. Like, clearly, like, when you say you're a god and you're a messiah, you then immediately getting killed. <laughs> it's kind of like it hurts the whole idea. So the whole the whole biblical story is them dealing with things not turning out the way they wanted it. And they go, oh, yeah, he died. I know that makes it look like he wasn't god, but actually that was a task for him to come back. So it's like you took what actually what you were planning on happening and tried to make – 
try to make it spin it into much. The, the Bible is a whole, basically the New Testament is a giant PR spin on someone saying they're God and immediately getting killed, proving they're not. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a whole yeah. spin based on that. So I guess there's a little, maybe that might explain some of the insecurities with when you make fun of, you know, why people are still mad that Jesus got killed. That's you know? a good point. I've not, yeah, it is a PR spin. Yeah. <laughs> but right. in the sequel, uh, season two, he comes back and this is how that goes. Yes. Yes. He comes back and, uh, you know, it was the plan. But, you know, that clearly, like, you know. I don't have a clip queued up for that, David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next episode. Mm-hmm. Actually, we are talking about the Bible with uh, with Jeffrey Asmus. Oh, I'm like already strapping in for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'll be we, fun. He used to be my roommate. Really? Yeah, we're good friends. Yeah. Yeah, he's good people. Okay. Yeah, um, he's so man. funny. Oh, yeah, he's great. <laughs> but um, let's talk about the Bible. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be an entire day. It's going to be like a 12. This is going to be a six part episode. <laughs> um, and then uh, you you personify guy uh, God as as a stereotypical Jew. I mean, you use Larry David as the uh, as the kind yeah. of framework for it, which I think is is very helpful for people outside of New York who don't have that experience. I think that was advice. I think maybe from Cassidy Madigan. I think there was advice to like, don't just say it was good but like connected to someone they know, you know mm. what I mean? I think I would really just go, it was good. And people didn't understand. Like they didn't, they didn't get the rhythm was enough. So then I used like Larry David and that like was a way to have people connect. That was like feedback. I think she gave it to me. Yeah. Mm. And, and that, that goes back to, to connecting with the audience. Like, yeah, you know, you got to know where they're coming from. You got to meet them where they are with your material. Yeah. You might not know Jewy rhythm, but you know, Larry David. Oh, yeah. that's Jewy rhythm. And yeah, if you don't right. know Larry David, there's nothing I can do for you. Again, Bernie Sanders and then fat Jewish mother. You've spent, you know, minutes earlier, you have an entire, like right in the middle of your album about your mom. So it sets yeah. them up for, you know, for that character to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Callbacks. I, I like callbacks. I think, you know, if you can do them in a way that's not forced, that it's like, you know, f- real funny. It's a good way to like, close something and end it you know what i mean it's a good mm-hmm. way to take it to another level yeah i really enjoy callbacks i i don't know some people think they're cheap i like them and i uh i i think i'm pretty good at them so i, I tend to use them a lot you know i like you know i start out wanting to be a screenwriter so for me it's i like the cohesiveness of stuff and trying mm-hmm. to wrap it together however and done right mm-hmm. uh what what got you into comedy what made you make that switch uh i think I was struggling writing screenplays and, you know, I think I always wanted to do comedy, but I thought I was better than comedy. Mm. I was like, I thought that was like slumming it. I think I somehow, it was like, was somehow thought I'd be, I was better than stay. You know, I want to be like a famous novelist or screenwriter. And I somehow thought I was better than stand up. But I also thought if I ever do stand up, I would just get pretty good. I'd never get great. You know what I mean? Like, so somehow I was both arrogant and <laughs> really negative about it, which I guess is true for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I, you know, I started doing it when I was in Louisville and um, I did at Mike's. And I guess I think the instant gratification is what appealed to me. I, I would write a screenplay for six months and have six people read it. I'd think of some joke about my tank that day <laughs> and more people would hear that joke about my tank than anyone who read my Pretty good mm-hmm. screenplay. So the yeah. instant gratification definitely appealed to me, uh, you know. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, there's a short, short term, you know, thing with that, you know, you get to, you get to get validated very quickly. How soon after you started, did you, did you move to New York? I, not a lot. I overstayed my, I was, I was in Louisville for like eight years. Mm. So on the road some, but in Louisville, it took me eight years to finally muster up the courage to go to New York and with the finances. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I think, I don't know what's happening now. Sometimes people ask me, like, I had like a young, I was doing a Zoom thing and I like, like a 13 year old was like, do you have any advice for going to comedy? I'm like, you should be preparing how to use a machete right now. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't like the apocalypse is definitely <laughs> going to be for you. Like what the fuck? Like, um, but like, uh, I, I don't know what it is now, but I think it's, it's definitely, it's good to start somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think five, four to five years is a good, is a good number. But, uh, I, I stayed an extra three cause I was on drugs and broke and shit, but like, um, you know, yeah. And now I've been in New York for, I think five, four or five years. Um, any, any closing advice for somebody who uh, wants to, who's working on a bit about, uh, being Jewish or yeah, let's just stick with that topic. About advice about a joke about being Jewish yeah, or something? Yeah, like like what's one way, you know, uh, of to avoid uh, the, the trappings? You know, I guess going back to that balance thing, you know, I'd like to think my material, well, listen to it again. I think for the most part, it does hit a pretty good balance between kind of mainstream accessible with a little bit of edge on it, you know? So it kind of like a little, you know, because it is kind of broad Jewish jokes that everyone can get. But there's some edginess, you know, with the Holocaust and and the Good Friday jokes. So like having a balance between the edgy and the the mainstream um, is is good. So I guess when you're doing Jewish jokes, yeah, like try to find that balance where you're not too stereotypical to the point where they're laughing at, you know, their their perception of Jews. Make them see a different perception. But don't make them see, don't make it so extreme that they don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Find that balance between uh, relatability and uniqueness, which is, I guess, the advice for any joke. Mm-hmm. That's, that yeah, anybody can take that for sure. Um, so, run on, where can we find you? Uh, so social media and. Yeah, folks. when does this come out? Oh boy! Uh, 12, this is twelve years from now. <laughs> yeah, like like three four weeks. Um, you can find me at Instagram, uh, Ron on Comedy, R A A N A N Comedy. Uh, I post a lot of videos there. Um, I got a YouTube series with Joe List where we talk shit about movies, basically just me shitting on his childhood movies. Uh, called Joe and Ron on Talk Movies. That's like every week. You can subscribe on Joe List's YouTube page to get like alerts. And yeah, at Ron on Comedy, R A A N A N Comedy on Instagram. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us on yeah. You Can't Laugh at That. To, of course, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Steve, anything you want to throw in? Mm, yeah. <laughs> the towel? Yeah, yeah. This is, um, the, I, don't think, I don't think you've ever thrown anything in at the end when I ask you that. So I, I think this is a good running. No, we really do. I just kind ask of, you and you say, nope. <laughs> yeah, no. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Trust me. Oh, I know. I have fun with it. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for helping us prove that uh, no matter if there's a trigger warning, uh, no matter if, if things are off balance, too extreme one way yeah. or the other, there's always a way to laugh at that. You wrapped it up, baby. 
Special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find Gold Knox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Gold Knox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.